You know, for a long time, I meant to try Pete's coffee, but just never gave it a chance. But ever since I did, I have a hard time settling on anything less. And there's something to say about a coffee company with such rich history and devotion to bring you that perfect brew. Since Alfred Pete opened his first coffee bar in 1966, Pete's has selectively sourced the finest beans in the world, carefully calibrating each roast by hand and crafting each beverage with the utmost care. Pete's aims to produce fresh from the roaster's coffee delivered directly to your door, sourcing the top 1% of coffee beans, roasted by hand to unlock each bean's potential, and delivering it to you fresh to bring you the perfect cup. With over 30 flavor varieties in both gourmet coffees and teas, like Vietnam Lotus Bold, Major Dickinson's Blend, and Arabian Mocha Java, you are sure to find the right flavor to start your day. And they even come in K-Cups for those of you who live life on the go. Check out all the varieties of Pete's has to offer by following the link in the show notes below. And starting August 30th, you can take advantage of their Labor Day sale and get yourself 20% off anything on their site by using promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout. This offer is valid through September 5th. That's promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase this Labor Day. But why not do one better? Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout and you get yourself 30% off of a new subscription to Pete's Coffee. That's right. All the delicious coffee you could want delivered right to your door each and every month without you ever having to worry about running low. What more could you ever need? That's promo code NEWSUB30 for 30% off your subscription. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, Sup. we will be winding back the reel to 1978. A former CIA agent uses the talents of a young psychic to help retrieve his telekinetic son from terrorists who want to use his mental powers for evil in The Fury. Let's get into it. <laughs> what do you mean you won? You did not. There are no secrets between father and son. On, except one. You have a talent that would shock the hell out of people. But it's a talent that also can be put to good use. For lovers of the shocking, the suspenseful, and the terrifying comes a new classic. The Fury. Read my mind. Look, I don't know anything about reading minds, all right? The Fury, an experience in terror and suspense. They took my son away from me. They needed him, so they just took him. What the hell have you done to that boy? Oh, he's being treated like a prince. He is. He's royalty. Unique. Chinese don't have one. Soviets don't have one. In all the world, there's no one quite like Robin Sands. 
unless it's this girl. Who's Robin Sanza? He's a boy your age, with powers like yours. Powers that build. And build until they become the Fury. I want Gillian Belliver at the PSI facility tomorrow. It's a frightening power these people have. They can make anybody disappear anytime. She's a fake. I'm sending her home. I don't have time to waste on people. Don't do that to me, Doctor. Don't ever try lying to me. Gillian? Where's Robin now, Gillian? What's the matter, Robin? You know what's the matter. Stop! Gillian! That girl's taking my place after you poisoned me! The Fury is the power that holds the key to all power. Peter, I was lying before. Robin's not okay. He needs us now. For lovers of the shocking. Robin? The suspenseful. Please answer me. And the terrifying. Robin! Comes a new classic. 20th Century Fox presents a Frank Yablon's presentation. Don't you recognize your old man? The Fury. <laughs> the Fury, a Brian De Palma film, an experience in terror and suspense. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The Nightmare of Insane Murder. From the depths of hell. Jonathan Lane. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that was gonna be a different response. Did Kirk motherfucking panty dropping Douglas make you drop your panties? Fuck yeah. It's because you're wearing your pajamas right now, isn't it? That's right. Yep, that's right. Oh boy. Um so prior to this, I did not know that Mr. Kirk motherfucker panty dropping Douglas passed away at the ripe old age of 103 yeah this man had a illustriously long career lucrative and quite the life fathered Michael Douglas who was a very very okay pretty good actor <laughs> I've not really watched a lot of his stuff um but yeah uh I have never seen, I've not seen a lot of telekinetic movies. The only one that I've seen, and I said I was going to research this, is Matilda. Matilda is a actual decent telekinetic movie. I've never seen, I've never seen Carrie, ever, the remake or the uh, Sissy's Pay Sick one. Crying Shame. Crying Shame. Um, because I was afraid that all Stephen King movies are just shitty sci-fi movies for a rainy Saturday afternoon with half uh, half cooked chili that your mom decided hey, I have stuff in the fridge I'll just put it in a pot. No, the telekinetic subgenre is one that's been around for quite a long time 
people have been making movies that dabble with it, that focus on it, explore it in different ways. Hmm. Um, there are versions that aren't so much telekinetic, but there's like pyrokinesis and all these other different types of mental uh, powers. How would you put it? Mentally enhanced individuals. And the most famous <clears throat> one that people know right now would be the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, in a way. Like the most mainstream one right now. Uh, I see I that that's going to bring us to a slight tangent. Oh god, because... no, don't don't comic book me. No, no. Just agree with no, me no. on this. See, Scarlet Witch, I would not consider a telekinetic person. I'm going because by Marvel Cinematic Universe, not comic book universe. Even in the MCU, because her ability came is from to, the Mind Stone. No, not the Mind Stone. No, well, her ability is to be able, manipulate reality. Mm. She's not a te- uh, telekinetic in any way. She, somebody who would be, would be somebody like Jean Grey. I was going to say Jean Grey's the next one. Professor X, like they, his is he's a telepath, not a telekinetic, but. Jean Grey is both. So she would probably be the best example of a modern telekinetic that a lot of people would know. Now, what about um, Chris Angel Mind Freak? Would he be a telekinetic? No, he's a fraud. <laughs> oh, yeah, that Chris Angel would come and That's feed right. Shots fired, Chris. Pew, 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 pew. Mind Freak. <laughs> I'll never be ready. <laughs> <laughs> Just screamo music against the biggest poser you'll ever see. <laughs> I don't know who's worse, him or Zach Bagans. Oh, I God. love Ghost Adventures. I love Aaron Goodwin. I love um, Jay. I forget Jay's last name. But Zach Bagans, over the last several uh, decade um, of his career, has gotten just insane. It's insane. I would do just about anything to witness a fight between Zach Bagans and Chris Angel. Tonight on a very special ghost adventures. I want to see who's the bigger fraud. Oh god, but it has to be live. <laughs> live like the really shitty Chris uh Halloween live they did at the the um the haunted museum where everything went wrong and oh, they just god. fucked up the whole thing. And I'm still a guilty pleasure fan. I am caught up on all of the seasons. Why? Because that's one show that I just enjoy laughing at. And you know why I enjoy laughing at it? Because you ruined me for any kind of ghost show. It's so bad. You ruined me. I used to be like, I'm a believer. Now I'm like, John, explain this to me and I'm gonna fucking kill him. I hate you so much. I don't. Sorry. But anyways, going back to telekinetic powers. <sighs> Let's get into this. Well, this is this is a subgenre that I've really liked for a long time. Like, I always thought Carrie was such an awesome movie and uh, things like Firestarter and all these movies like where these people have these mental abilities, like they can move things with their mind or they can like they get visions of the future, things like that. Mm. And I don't I just think it's something you you can do a lot with. It's an idea you can explore to so many degrees and even though there's a lot of these movies they're in the overall spectrum of filmmaking there has not been very many so now i have a question for you you said you like um people that see visions those kind of movies too premonition movies yeah some of them how do you feel about the uh, television series that's so raven 
See that I, I get what they were doing with that, but it was like it's so fucking cheeseball and But it's campy, it's Disney, it's cheesy. That like it is Velvet it's not quite family style Velveeta cheese, but it is like one of those microwavable Velveeta things where you're like eh, Yeah, but it's so, all right. so little of that actually had to do with her ability. Like it, it was, was just the awkward things that happened. They would them. just use the ability as like a, a crutch to get them into different situations. So it'd be like, oh, I had a vision that this is going to happen. And then nothing would ever, nothing ever be connected. In the beginning, they tried and then it just got a little fucking crazy. But that's the only like, um, like mind power one that I really remember. I don't know of any other ones. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ones like... Uh, the, for example, something like Eyes of Laura Mars. Okay. Where she's me- mentally connected to the killer, so she's able to see through his eyes as he kills people. Did we ever find out why they were connected? No. And often you don't in those types of movies. That's why I hate those type of movies. I want to know. Tell me. Well, some, But sometimes it's just a supernatural occurrence. And I don't know. I always thought those... You could do a lot with these types of ideas. And a lot of people don't do very much with them. Mm. It's very rare that we get them now. Like, I think the latest ones I can think of are Malignant and... Which we haven't seen. Which we haven't seen. And uh, The Mind's Eye. I think those are the most recent ones. Which I laughed at the end of the last episode. You were like, oh, uh, these are the ones I'm thinking of. And then I looked it up and I'm like... After we we cut, I'm like, you forgot the biggest one, and you fucking worked on it. The mind's eye. Well, to be fair, when I was trying to list them, I was trying to list classic telekinesis movies. Actually good movies? Oh. Shots fired. Okay, I've watched it. It's not a bad movie, but Jesus Christ, the places they go. I like mind's eye for what it is. But I just, I, when I watched that one, I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. What are they doing? Jesus Christ, what's happening to that lady? I mean, or is that the other one? What was the other one you worked on with uh, Josh and... Almost Human. Almost Human. Was that the vagina yeah. like, monster? Almost Human was the vagina monster? Yeah, the tentacle thing. Yeah. Dude, that scene was fucked. <laughs> uh, anyways, before we go on a tangent of other movies, why don't we uh, tackle this one? Well, I would definitely like to tackle this one. Uh-oh. However... We first got to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Who is our sponsor this week? None other than Pete's Coffee. Pete, my good old buddy. Pete's Coffee, our household coffee of choice. We have a lot. We have. Oh, I think we have. We just bought. Um. Oh, what one did we buy last? We bought the dark roast last, right? The yeah. Uh, currently, we're still working through. Um, Big Bang. Big Bang is there. It's a no. That's a medium roast. Medium flavor. roast. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. And uh, this one, I have to say, is I'm still very happy with mm-hmm. it. I think this is actually I like it a little bit more than the Major Dickinson's blend. Have you noticed? There's a smoky note at the end of this one. There is. It's and I interesting because like it. I take mine with um, like uh, zero sugar sweeteners in it. So <laughs> it's January, still working through the pumpkin spice. Um, but I can taste like it's that cinnamony nutmeg, that nice like roasted coffee flavor. And there's this smoke at the end. And I'm like, where is this coming from, Pete? Yeah, th- this one's it's bold, it's smooth, it, it's got a nice balanced richness to it it's like comforting it's, that first yeah. sip of hot coffee in the morning and it's like oh 
Yeah, I I'm very much enjoying it, and like as we've said before, uh, we we like to grind our own beans, yep. so we buy it in whole bean, but. It actually comes in ground. Mm-hmm. You can get it in K cups even if you're an instant coffee drinker. Yep. Which, no. <laughs> no. We are um, Chemex pour over snobs in this house. You wouldn't think that <laughs> with looking at us, but we are Chemex pour over snobs. I feel like over the years we're just turning more and more into hipsters. We are we are leaning so heavily into hipster that uh, I purchased an outfit recently. Uh, that is literally looks like someone copy and pasted me from the fucking Goldbergs. <laughs> and I have the big old lady glasses to go with it. And I have my short haircut with the little bob. And I'm, I looked at myself in the mirror and went, wow, I'm a 1980s mom about ready to take her kids to soccer practice. But I got to have my Pete's coffee and my travel mug before I take the kids there. Yeah, I really can't go a morning without Pete's at this point. And... Mm-hmm. If you're a coffee drinker, if you are just looking to try different types of coffee, I can't recommend Pete's more. And if you use the link down in our show notes, if you use our affiliate link, yes, it is an affiliate link. Mm -hmm. We earn a little something off of it if you make a purchase. You can get yourself 30% off of a new subscription plan. You just follow that link. Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout. You get yourself 30% off, and with their subscription plans, they allow you to choose different types of coffee every month to try out and see which ones you like, see which ones fit your needs. And what better way to scratch an item off of your list from going to the grocery store on the weekend after you're exhausted from working all week than have your coffee delivered to your door whole bean or ground so you can have it that morning and tackle your motherfucking day like Michael, like Kirk motherfucking panty dropping Douglas. I bet you he'd drink Pete's coffee. I bet you he would. I bet you he would. But we'll never know because he's not with us anymore. Excuse me, Kirk. I am using my crystals. I'm trying to contact you from the great beyond. Oh, panty dropper. We'll tell you why we call him panty dropper later. Uh, do you drink Pete's coffee? Bitch, let me sleep. I'm dead. You heard it here first. Kirk Douglas hates me. Gotta go bye. <laughs> All right. So this week, as we said, we watched The Fury, the 1978 American supernatural thriller. This film was directed by the infamous Brian De Palma. Yes, the same Brian De Palma who brought us Carrie. I guess he he caught the flavor of that telekinetic storytelling and he just wanted more. This one was based on The Fury by John Farris, who also wrote the screenplay for the film. Okay. It stars Kirk motherfucking Douglas. You missed the panty drop. I apologize. Let me reiterate. It stars Kirk... <laughs> motherfucking panty drop in Douglas. Yes! It's gonna be a thing. John Cassavetes, Amy Irving, Carrie Snogris, Charles Durning, and Andrew Stevens. This was originally released March 10th, 1978. It was made on a budget of $7.5 million. And it brought in a box office return of $24 million. So it was a success. It was a... I would call it a modest success. Yeah. So I did not do a breakdown of this movie. I enjoyed the ride. I only have a few notes. (laughs) 
So you're going to have to explain this one. That's okay. I can take the reins on most of this one. This is a film I quite enjoy. It's actually, I'll be up front and say that this is actually one of my favorite telekinetic films. Okay. Out of all the ones that I've seen, this is one of my favorites. This is a fairly slow f- start. Like this movie, yeah. does, this movie is kind of a slow burn most of the way through. It's got some parts that ramp up the action a little bit, but as you know by now, I love a good slow burn. I like that that ease through the story where it just kind of takes its time to build up the the tension, the characters, the just lets the information come to you. It doesn't try to sh- shove it down your fucking throat within five minutes. Yeah, and I'm the person putting gasoline on the story. Let's go! I hate slow burns. Hate them. Come on. No. Give me the info. I want the info. We watched the film today from our VHS copy. Yes. Which is... We don't have the original release, unfortunately. No, we will find it someday. Ours is the 20th Century Fox Selections release. Which Um, we found out at the beginning of the film was only $10 when they came out with these selects. Like, who cares? These were supposed to be like their bargain bin cheap $10 tapes. That's insulting to this movie. It is insulting because this movie is fucking awesome. This was a good movie. I very much enjoy this one every time I watch it. The performances in it are fucking great. But since we're talking about the tape, let's do the back of the box. It's the back of the box. I don't know why I'm trying to put theme songs to half of our shit, but just let it happen. (laughs) (laughs) So this back of the box starts with a quote, a triumph. Something exciting or suspenseful is happening in every fast-moving sequence. This was said by Kevin Thomas of Los Angeles Times. There are no fast-moving sequences in this movie, really. No, 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 the beginning. Yeah, I guess the beginning's pretty pretty quick. And then we actually actually move on to a fun fact before the descriptor here, which is... For her role as a psychic with telekinetic powers, Amy Irving attended a bio... Amy Irving attended a biofeedback clinic to learn about different levels of consciousness. After personally experiencing psychic changes, she had a better sense of how her character could transmit and receive messages. That's kind of interesting that she actually took that extra step. Like, I believe in a lot of this stuff. I really do. But sometimes I'm sitting here going, when science and, like... The supernatural type stuff like this, like fuse, it sort of concerns me. Just a little. Because what if someday they, you know, they, fucking eleven Stranger Things this they shit unlock the rest of the human oh mind? Oh my god! Don't <laughs> please let me be ignorant. I don't want to unlock this shit. Imagine how much more pain I'd feel if my head was unlocked. Oh, oh. maybe you'd be able to turn it off. Oh, that'd be grand. Just be like, click, <laughs> and it's over. All right. In Brian De Palma's terrifying horror thriller, an elaborate game of mind control begins when a government agent, Kirk Douglas' son, Andrew Stevens, is kidnapped for his psychokinetic powers. Desperate to find him, the father hires a girl, Amy Irving, with similar psychic abilities. She soon reveals that his son is a prisoner at a secret U.S. agency where he's being used for dangerous mind experiments and programmed for elimination. I think that description is 
There's like a half truth, half lie. There's, there's some lies in there there's for sure. There's a lot of fucking reaching. He hires her. No, no, no. No, he, he knows finds me. her. He no, he doesn't find her. He doesn't even fucking know about her no, until his girlfriend no, no, says no. something casually. That's not true. He finds out about her at the very beginning when he has that guy following her. The weird, the creepy guy who's following her when she's walking with her friend. Well, no, he doesn't have him follow her. He was sending out telekinetic messages like th- like he had telekinetic that messages. That guy did. Okay, so he found her, but... He hired that guy to find somebody that could help her him find his son. But and, he never it, hired her. But he learned about this girl through that encounter. Because that's who he's calling on the phone. He's talking to... Uh, Kirk Douglas. Uh, it's a stretch. It's, it's no, it's true. That's, that's what they true, said. But like the he hired her and no, he found out that his son's being kept. Like so much of this, the descriptions. I hate descriptions on the back of the box sometimes because they either tell you nothing and it's amazing. Oh, they fly or they out give lie. you the whole. They gave the whole thing, but basically half truth. Yeah, and honestly, that's kind of why I I like doing the back of the box because. Most of the time, it's very different like, than what the what movie actually is. What lies did Hollywood tell today, you know? Yeah. And it's worth noting that our tape is in somewhat disrepair. Yeah. So, while watching this, we had to deal with, like, quite a lot of artifacting and... And, like, you know when you were a kid and the Disney tape would be like, coming soon to video... Was, the top of that was doing the little wave thing. Yeah, and it the, wasn't the, the distracting. It wasn't too bad because there were, there were parts of the tape where it was fine. But right in the beginning, man, the whole beginning of it, it was like the whole top of the tape was going, I'm in a windstorm. See you later. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit. I hope this clears up. It does. It clears up by like the middle. Yeah. And uh, this is stuff we've talked about before, but like I personally always love, I love it. looking at the damage. Because it, remem- it reminds you of when you're a kid. Because you see that damage, you're like, oh no, my dad's going to kill me. I did something in the VCR. Now you're like, ah, trauma. Such memories. <laughs> and it, it's also kind of cool with like a film like this, there, there's layers to it. Mm. So like, not only are you seeing the damage of the VHS itself, but this is a very obviously a transfer from a a reel a film reel that was played in theaters yeah because you can see the cigarette burns at certain points yes. when they would have to change the reel yep so you'd see those like quick blips pop up and it's like oh that's where the real change was that's where the real change was why are there cigarette burns on the real change oh you don't know no well so all right Cigarette burns were a thing for... That's what they called them, because that's kind of what they look like. Okay. But it was just a marker that was placed on the on the film reels. Cause, so a movie would come in, and it'd be like four to six reels or so for the whole film. Yeah. So you would... They were essentially these markers that were on the films for the projectionists. Yeah. So they when that marker popped up, they would know, all right, we got to get ready to switch over to the next reel. And they'd have two projectors going back to back. Oh. So it'd be like, they would watch the movie with the audience, and as soon as that marker popped up, they would go, okay, switch to the next reel, take out this and reel and swap see, it. you wouldn't see the, the, the projectors the handoff. change? No, because projectors flicker. So you oh, wouldn't even shit. notice it. That and um, when they the start the second projector, it would essentially overlap the other film like almost like perfectly oh okay so like then you'd shut off the other one and you'd never notice that the image stopped 
damn. It, it was a seamless handoff. We live in the wrong time, man. Everything's fucking digital. You just press a button and there it is. Yeah, everything's a digital file in movie theaters now. Were they doing that back when we were kids in like the 90s? Yeah, they were still doing it. They were still doing yep. it? Damn. I think the cigarette burn thing kind of went away and they had a different way of doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was... And eventually the film reels, like I think, got narrowed down. So it was like... Four, four reels became two, two became one. Like, How many reels would Avengers Endgame be if it came out in the 70s? I couldn't even fucking imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, here's a box of 25. We it's got a, three hours long, kids. We got a shipment. It's the van. Oh, God. <laughs> no, the van is James Cameron movies. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking James Cameron. Right now, you're on my shit list, buddy. Look, let it go. No. James Cameron is a stuck-up, full-of-himself old man who just likes telling Pocahontas tales and likes sinking ships. Welcome to starting a fight with Leah. That's all right. Most people don't know what they're talking about. It's fine. Whoa! <laughs> Shots fired there, Jay Bittenbinder. It's just for you oh, Red Letter you fans. dropped a fucking J.J. Bittenbinder reference. Oh, J.J. Bittenbinder. Oh. Why I'm a failure. All right. All right. So, something I'd like to mention before we j- dive into the breakdown of the movie. Slow burn. Kirk Douglas is a fucking boss throughout this whole movie. <laughs> like, literally within the first five minutes of yeah. seeing him on screen, he's jumping out windows he's and fucking... He's in the fucking... tiniest fucking short shorts from the 70s, evading <laughs> fucking people shooting at him. And then the motherfucker gets in a boat, gets blown up, and then shoots the fuck out of his friend's arm. And all while he's doing this, he's still got that smug fucking look. And you're thinking to yourself, this is the 70s. So Kirk Douglas has to be like in his 60s or 70s at this point. Yeah, I honestly don't know how old he was Hang on. during this he, what year was What year was Kirk Douglas born in? Let's do some research. You go into it and I'll get some... Uh, all right, so diving into the film. So we open this movie. While you're watching it, it just says Mideast, but it's supposed to be Israel. It's supposed to be Middle East. Yeah. It was weird. Um, where we we meet XCI. So we open this movie in what what we saw. It said the title said Mideast, but it's, I guess, supposed to be Israel. Like the Middle East, yeah. Yeah. And we meet XCIA agent Peter Sanza, which is Kirk Douglas, yep. and his psychic son, Robin. Uh, they're essentially on vacation, what it looks like. They're kind of hanging oh, out at I this. I think they were living there. I think they've been living there. Oh, yeah, because he mentions that they're going to be moving back to the States. Yep. All right, so... They're just kind of having a good day at the beach. They're yeah, hanging Robin's out. Robin's like, oh, what if I don't fit in? I don't like sports. Like, I'm going to miss it here. And I'm like, wow. I mean, life is different for everybody. Yeah, so yeah, kind of. It's very true. I mean, they have soccer over there or football. Yeah. But. And in this scene, we also meet a character by the name of Ben Childress, who is Peter's old agency colleague. And I'm not entirely sure why he is there. I think they, he's just kind of dropping by to say goodbye before they leave. Yeah. Kind of a thing. They're planning to leave his like his old life behind. He's getting out of the business. Yep. And they want to go back to the U.S. To, settle. Uh, yeah. Settle down. But we see that Childress kind of objects to this. Like, he, do, he thinks it's... He doesn't think he should he should go. Yeah. Essentially. And he 
subsequently stages a terrorist attack to cover up kidnapping Robin. To steal him for his psychic abilities. Yes. Now, throughout this attack, uh, Peter is essentially... He's driven out, like he gets on a boat, like you said, he drives out into the middle of the water. They blow up the boat, and he's... Robin witnesses this whole thing. And Ben is Ben Childress is holding him there to make him watch this whole thing. Yes. Like, holy shit, if you're going to kidnap the kid, take him. I mean, the way the scene plays out, though, he's doing it as, like, uh, Robin's trying to get go help his dad. Yeah. But uh, Childress is holding him back, and he's just like, no, he can handle it. And yeah. instead of getting him out of there sooner, he kind of just makes him watch the whole thing. But you know he's a sicko and makes him watch his dad get killed, basically. Yeah, and that's a fact that we learn throughout every line of dialogue that Childress speaks. Like, this man is a fucking sleazy Psychopath. shithead. Oh my god. <laughs> Did he remind you of... Um, oh my god. He was in Mad About You. Um, Paul Reisner. Did he remind you of like a much fit Paul Reisner? Taller, more handsome, kind of like yeah. Uh, honestly, he reminded me more of a uh, Doctor Hill from Reanimator, the head in the dish. <laughs> oh no! I just went right to the head, going for her crotch. That's where my mind went. Thanks. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh God. yeah. Pussy, <laughs> pussy, panty dropping, pussy popping. This bullshit. <laughs> Uh, but we see that Peter narrowly survives the attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets back to the shore and sees that Childress is working with the terrorists. And they all have British accent. He's like, oh, really sorry about that. And they're like, you motherfucker. Yes. So he actually gets a hold of one of the guns and he fires a upon semi automatic and just fires into Childress's arm till it's practically meat falling off the bone. Yes. And for the rest of the movie, Childress has a dead arm. Like, yep. it doesn't work anymore. He's yep. left his mark on him. Damn. Months later, we jump ahead to Chicago, mm-hmm. where we meet high school student Gillian Bellavere, I think is how yeah. you pronounce her last name. Um, and she's slowly beginning to discover that she has some type of psychic ability. Yeah. Um, including telekinesis and extrasensory perception. Yeah, because she she's answering she's trying to answer like exam questions with her friend. They're well, they're in skin skimpy little bathing suits with a notebook, practicing test answers. Which I was like, this is so California. Yeah, and, and yet it's Chicago, right? <laughs> um. So that's our first inclination. They're walking down the street. She's asking her questions and. This name pops into her head. Yep. And she's like, you said it, didn't you? And her friend's like, no, I didn't say it. Don't tell me answers, but it doesn't sound right. It was weird. So that was like our first little hint. And then later on, we see her. She's kind of witnessing a class demonstration Mm. about psychic ability. Mm. And she volunteers to be like to put it to the test herself. And turns out she's, like, much more powerful than the person doing the presentation. Which is, um, Harris, right? Which is the girlfriend that did the presentation. Uh. I thought it was the girlfriend that was the presentation. I don't think it was the same girl. I think it was a different one. It looked like it. But then again, all the blonde girls in this show look alike. Speaking of blonde girls, 
This was Daryl Hannah's debut movie. She plays one of the high school students. Yeah, she's only in one, two scenes. But she like, is, it, it, her face is unmistakable. This woman has not aged. She no, looks the same. She has always looked the same. And like, I, it's surprising. Splash, I've seen this movie. Kill Bill, any of her recent work. I, I mean, she still looks great. I've seen this movie several times. And honestly, I never really picked up that it was Daryl Hannah. You know why I picked up it's Daryl Hannah? Which, who in this house is obsessed with mermaids and has seen Splash several times? Yeah, that explains And loves it. Tom Hanks and has watched Tom Hanks movies several times. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I went, is that, is that my girl Daryl? That's Daryl! <laughs> so, one thing we learn throughout this this part of the movie is that her, the manifestations of her ability, when uncontrolled, they tend to harm people who are in physical contact with her or mm. who provoke her. Yeah. And later, like, throughout the movie, we see it in varying degrees. But, like, in this first scene, it's just she causes a nosebleed to a girl that's kind of bullying. Yeah. Um, after this, it, this whole thing really freaks her out. And she's afraid to be near anybody. And she really wants to find help. So she convinces her mom to let her attend the Paragon Institute. Yep. Which is a live-in research facility studying psychic powers in adolescence. Yep. Now, this is a story that... This is actually something that I, I noted that I think is worth mentioning. That this movie is a very slow build, but it's there's a lot of pieces moving around the board here. So this story is told through two different pathways, essentially. Mm. Um, you have a story following... Peter, which is like this more espionage type of story, like it's action. like action spy yeah. drama kind of thing. But then you're also getting this parallel story about a psychic girl coming into her abilities and not learning, pe- learning that she can't trust anybody, learning that things aren't what they seem, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and th- like these two stories just kind of like go at their own paces until they, they start to up. interweave. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool way to tell this. So, meanwhile, while she's getting set up at the Institute, we come back to Peter, who's basically tracked his son, uh, who has basically tracked his son to Chicago. Um, he's evaded children's agents, and he meets up with his girlfriend, Hester, or Esther? Not yet. There's a scene prior to this. Where he's running from his agents and he evades them by breaking into that that couple's apartment with the grandmother. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. This is the best part of the movie. So th- that's something that's actually kind of interesting about this movie. And I did make note of, of the fact that this happens. But hmm. despite the fact that this is a pretty serious film yeah it's pretty, they put a lot of comedy there's a lot of comedic beats yes like so you have this whole sequence where he's he breaks into this apartment where the this older couple is living with their mother mother i think yeah mother or mother-in-law or something like that yeah and he basically holds them up like he just because like, they wouldn't stop like berating him and talking and the grandmother and the the mother-in-law was like i don't even like them and it was stupid 
they were so fucking funny. Yeah. She makes him, She they find him clothes. He ties them up so they don't bitch. She makes him cookies. She wishes him well. She says, you know, if you ever come back, come see me. I was just like, oh. Excuse me. I was just like, oh my god, this is so cute. It's this amusing little thing. And then, like, another one that I noted later on is, like, he's being uh, pursued by children's guys. He ends up taking care of them. But he has these two cops held up with him. Oh, the fake cops. And he's like, oh, do you realize that this is a federal offense to intimidate cops? And they're like, yo, kick it in. Like, I think they were, like, security cops. No, they were cops, but they were off-duty. Oh, okay. So the dude just bought this car. Yeah. So he does a scene after they evade the, the goons, and he's kind of about to let them go, essentially. And they get out of the car, and he's like, oh, oh, the... Can you believe it? There's no scratches on the car. And then Kirk Douglas gets out of the car and he's like staring at them. And it just does this moment where he, they all look down and realize that Kirk Douglas's pants are around his ankles. He's just like, <laughs> like it's just this little comedy. I didn't moment. understand that. Why are his pants around his ankles? Because he had the thing tucked oh, in there. Oh, the pillow in there. Yeah. The, so like it was to, like a disguise to make him look like a pudgy older guy. Oh, he took the pillow out and it just... So they didn't hold up anymore. It was just this funny little moment that, like, they didn't need to draw attention to. There's no need for it. But it was just there. Why not? And then Kirk Douglas is like, you guys go on. You guys be good, like, do something. And he gives them, like, a couple of words of wisdom and then drives the brand new car into the the water. (laughs) For what reason? Like, the only reason I could think would be so it looked like he died. So he could get away? I mean, okay, but, I mean, he could have just left the car there and the two guys and tell them, tell them I'm dead. Like, he could have done that. This poor man just bought this car and he's just like, look. He could have done it. He could didn't. Have. Why he's Kirk <laughs> motherfucking panty dropping car wrecking Douglas. He's going to have so many names. So many. <laughs> so... Yes, he tracks into Chicago, um, evades the agents. He meets up with his girlfriend or former girlfriend. No, I think it's his, it, his, it is his girlfriend. Was her name Hester or Esther? I think it was Hester with an H. Hester, okay. Yeah. So Either way, Hester, Esther. Ooh. She happens to be a nurse at Paragon. Yes. And she tells him all about Gillian. Yep. Because she's a new uh, patient at the facility and... She's very, very obviously strong. a very strong psychokinetic. Yeah. Once he learns about Gillian, he immediately starts urging Hester that, like, we need her. We need her yeah. to help Get us her find out of there. We need her, yeah. Robin. And there's a lot of dancing about in this middle portion because we are jumping back and forth between him trying to get her to get... Gillian out of there and Gillian is slowly discovering that she has a connection to Robin Mm. she learns about him through this encounter with the head of the institute where she like grabs his hand at one point and she sees a vision of Robin having an episode and falling out a window or falling through a window more precisely I think it was out like a second story window because she goes towards that window it's on the second story yeah and that's where they say he had an episode and he died right and um 
there's a few scenes like this. So like during this scene, she grabs his hand and his wound from the glass starts bleeding. Yep. And that's where they discover that her ability causes people in her proximity and yeah. stuff to bleed and some more severely than others. Yeah. So, like I said, it gets it's a little muddled here because there's a lot of little bits of information coming at you. Yeah. And through one of these interactions that she has, she actually she sees the day that Childress tried to kill um oh she's talking to the institute's like second in command the woman there and is like talking to her like do you want to talk about the event that happened last night you know the director's fine i just want to talk to you about it and like she gets psychically linked to robin at that moment yeah as he's going through a test as they're making him watch the video that Childress shot of his father getting killed in the Middle East. That's right, yeah. And she, and she's, like, trying to look around, and they're like, no, Robin, you have to look at the screen. You have to watch it. Like, you need to watch this. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking up both of them. And this part was really cool because in this, this encounter, he actually also learns about her. Yes. Because I think he catches her in a reflection. Yep. And, like, somehow, because she's, like, almost present for him. So he learns that there's another psychokinetic as powerful as him yep. that could be a problem for him. Do you... Okay, this is where I start to kind of see where hot take, hot opinion, uh, you know, flash it off the, the screen, if you will. Uh, Robin's a little bitch. Yes. Robin <laughs> is the... Robin feels like when he was in the Middle East and he got kidnapped... He was a normal, like, older teenager. Now it feels like he's regressed. He is a child. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a comparison here that I don't, I, I fully agree with this comparison, but it is through no fault of the other performance that I'm going to compare to. Okay. He is Anakin Skywalker. Oh. <laughs> and are we talking like Lloyd Jake or are no, we talking Hayden Christensen? We're talking whiny Christensen. And this is no no harsh feelings towards oh, Hayden Christensen. We're talking about Attack of the Clones yes. Christensen, aren't we? We're talking about the performance that of that like whining like they're never going to trust me. I'm, but I want to do this. I'm like, supposed to be the chosen one. That whole thing. And I don't feel like this is the actor's fault. No. But I also feel like Brian De Palmer, the guy as he is, he's still alive. This is just my observation, no offense, is a little sexist and puts a lot more performance on Gillian. And makes yes. her really push forward. And where he's like, well, you're a secondary character, so you don't matter. No, they the two of them should have had a lot more of a link and he should have displayed a lot more like who are you? Kind of like Kylo Ren when he and Rey get connected by the Force. That's where it should have gone where he was asking like who are you? What are you doing? Why are you here? kind of thing. Yeah. They now of of course like uh, we don't have the prequels or the new ones to, you know, go off of this. This is 78, but I just, I hated Robin's character. At the point where he was whining the first time, I was like, Peter, you don't need him. Just take Gillian, head off to the sunset. She can be your new daughter. Marry her, his mom, her mom. I don't know. Like, well, just let Robin go. To be fair, it, it's 
it makes you're supposed to not like him. Like mm. the whole point is that he's been brainwashed, brainwashed by yeah. Childress essentially over this however long it's been. I feel like six months to a year. Yeah. Yeah. Into becoming like a bad person. He's, like just he's a, a machine. Really... Basically, all the descriptor I read on IMDb and I was doing a little research. They want to turn him into a machine for the government. That's all. And you lose who you are in that point. But, like, it got me to the point where we get to the amusement park scene where I'm like, he's throwing a five-year-old tantrum. Exactly. That's it. That's all. He's like if they gave Firestarter Drew Barrymore and told her to act like a five like oh no act your age in this movie don't try and act like an i know from her performance in that movie i've never seen it but she was an incredible actress at that point fucking eight years old and she killed that movie yeah that's why drew barrymore is fucking amazing but like robin throughout the whole thing i'm like oh no robin oh no robin oh no robin oh no oh darn that's how i felt yeah so so something else I would like to note before we continue on here is mm. that so far, each of the telekinetic scenes, each of the moments where each of the moments where Gillian has seen something from the past or like connected with someone, mm. they're all presented very differently. And I think that is a really, really cool element that Brian De Palma plays with. Mm. So, like, it's never cut and dry. You never know what you're going to expect. Yeah. So, like, the first sequence where she grabs the the head of the Institute's hand and she has the vision of what happened to... Um, Robin. Robin. It's shot with this, like... She's filmed what looks like in front of like a, a rear projection of the event happening. Yeah. And she's kind of like seeing it almost through a like a fly on the wall perspective. The next time it happens when she is actually connected to Robin, she is seeing through his eyes. Yeah. Which is why the reflection moment happens. Because yep. she looks down into the table and sees him looking back at her and he sees her. Yep. Which I, I thought that was so fucking cool. Because it's like before she's seeing something that happened. Now she's seeing what he is seeing. Through the eyes, yeah. And that, like, he plays a lot with this. Yeah. Which is not something most people would have done. Most people would have probably just made it exactly the same every fucking time. And it, there would be no variety to it. Yeah, like, in Eyes of Laura Mars, like, it's very different how... It's more, almost portrayed as, like, a fuzzy like television movie like it's it's very like unclear at times until it gets stronger where it actually looks like a clear picture right in that film's defense it's she's always seeing through the killer's eyes yes so like this one it does something different if she's seeing an event that happened rather or than it's the a moment. different perspective depending on what type of event she's seeing or what type or the psychic ability of the event right because actually during the moment where she with the train set thing yeah where she really discovers her power she gets a flash of the death of a character we meet later on what character was that it was the lady that 
um, Robin is seeing the. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. It's like a quick glimpse of her death. You mean the other, you know, therapist that he was seeing at the institute? Yeah. But that was like literally just like a frame from the movie later on. Yeah. So it's like she saw that as a third party. I didn't even party. catch that. It's like I know it happened really in the quick. beginning, but I didn't catch it at the end because let me tell you, that scene. Woo! Oh, yeah. That ending is fucking sick. Oh, my God. But. I- Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Digress. <laughs> so, long story short, Hester ends up deciding to help Peter get her out of the Institute. Yep. And they do so in a kind of really cool way because it doesn't seem like what it is when you're first watching it. It reminds me of a Benny Hill skit. Yeah, like it seems like she's like fumbling. and fumbly and weird. Like she's and- fumbling trying to get her out of there. So it's like you think she's fucking it up. And then Gillian pulls this whole thing where she just takes off. She just fucking goes, man. She... And out of there. As it's all happening, you kind of piece together. It's like, oh, they're doing it so she's not implicated yep. in helping her escape. And it, like it all, this was all kind of pre-planned out. And it's it's a really cool escape sequence. I yeah. really enjoy it. Unfortunately, it results in Hester's death. And Peter goes, they killed her, they killed her. No. You shot the dude in the head who died. And ran into her. By the way, motherfucking dead eye. <laughs> Point blank through a windshield in between his eyes. And they do this incredible shot where it's like all in slow-mo. The camera's panning to the front oh of the gun. Oh, my God. And he fires and just right between the eyes nails the guy and driving. And he goes, they killed Hester. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm sorry, sweetie. You killed him. He lost control at full speed. Hester stopped in the middle of the road to try and get her attention, and he hit her. Yes, Hester died during the plan. Yes. If you didn't shoot him in the head, he wouldn't have lost control and wouldn't have hit Hester. But they also would have caught Gillian. Yes. So, unfortunately... Hester was just an unfortunate product of the plan. She was collateral damage. She was. And sometimes bitches be collateral damage. <laughs> so Peter gets her out of there and they have this this nice moment yeah. on the bus where they're 
They're reminiscing about Robin. She yeah. asks about him. And he tells him stories. Because it's cute. At this point, she's developing a connection to Robin. I don't know if it's feelings, but she feels like, oh, someone like me. Maybe there's a friendship. Maybe we can. Maybe we can help. Yeah. Them. Maybe we can help each other. And Peter ends up telling her all about Paragon and how the director is cooperating with PSI, which is like a covert agency led by Childress. And they, what they essentially do is they kidnap psychic children to weaponize their powers for the American government. And they have managed to control psychics by brainwashing them and eliminating their families. So they kidnap Robin and they've been trying to eliminate Peter the entire time. Can you imagine being a year on the run while trying to find your children? Can you imagine trying to hunt down and kill Kirk motherfucking panty dropping Douglas? You missed one. What did I miss? Dead eye motherfucking. <laughs> oh no, it's Kirk motherfucking panty dropping. Oh no. Pussy popping. Pussy popping. There's too many names. Dead eye <laughs> Douglas. Anyway. It's going to be on a t shirt. We're going to make a t shirt. People are going to be like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, have you watched, have you, have you watched our podcast? Have you listened to our podcast? They have this beautiful scene on the bus. And then. <laughs> He abandons her and makes her take yeah. a bus to Seattle. So he try, yeah. He tries, he tries to, while she's asleep, leave her on the bus, send her off to Seattle so that she won't get hurt in the yeah. process because he's got the information he needs. She ends up waking up and seeing that he's leaving her there. The damsel in distress syndrome, like her running with her arms no, waving. I'm like, oh god, oh, it's painful. No, I love it. What? I love it because she you can tell throughout every fucking scene of this movie that Amy Irving is giving her fucking all to this performance. Speaking of that performance, little little side note. I knew I found a fact out. Oh boy. Amy Irving dated Steven Spielberg from 76 to 80. Okay. She was the one that was supposed to play Marina, Maria, Blackwood. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to play the female lead in Indiana Jones. Oh, shit. Marion Ravenwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was supposed to, but because her and Steven broke up... The role went to... The role went to... Now who we know. I always forget her name. I don't remember her name, but God... I have never seen the first two Indiana Jones. Raiders... uh, I'm sorry. Um... The third one is my Indiana Jones. This first one I saw, that's my Indiana Jones. The younger ones, mm, Harrison Ford, older, just mm, unctuous, sexy with Sean Connery in his 60s. Ooh, both those men. So you just love that. Panty dropping. That older man. I love it. I can't wait till you're gray and just little, 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 little wrinkles, little, little so, your f- so Kirk Douglas must have just had you going. No, this actually, movie. Kirk Douglas and Michael <laughs> Douglas, I feel nothing. But Michael Douglas definitely took the motherfucking panty droppy pussy popping to the next level when he married Catherine Zeta Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, come on. You know She's what? fucking no, hot. No, I, I'm not talking about that. Fuck Michael Douglas, all right? Kirk well, Douglas is the man. What's Michael Douglas? He is the spawn of Kirk. He if will, we can't have Kirk, we got Michael. He will never be his father. <laughs> Never. Wow. Do you have dad issues? No. Kirk Douglas is just fucking awesome. 
We need to have a list of daddies that are amazing on Kirk this podcast. Kirk Douglas is up there with fucking Cameron Mitchell, all right? Oh, look, we need we need a picture of Cameron Mitchell in this house that we can worship. <laughs> the we need patron a church saint. patron saint. <laughs> He's the of, patron saint of best of the worst. Patron saint of films and VHSs. We should get. We should just get framed black and white photos of all of the patron saints of films that we absolutely love. So it'll be like. So far, it'll be like Kirk, uh, Kirk Douglas, Kirk Douglas, Cameron, Cameron Mitchell, Mitchell, fucking uh, Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins. <laughs> I might even throw Robert Ginty in there. Well, yeah, the Ginty. We need Ginty. Um, who else? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee's got to be on there. Yep. Vincent Price. I will praise that oh, man. Oh, yeah. All hail Vincent Price, <laughs> father of darkness. Garkness? The father darkness. of Ginty. The father of Ginty. <laughs> the father of Gintiness. We are going on a red letter media <laughs> tangent right now. Trying to get back on track here. Um, <laughs> Train tracks. We do learn that uh, as Gillian's psychic powers are growing, she's beginning to experience visions of, like, the Institute abusing Robin, and he, like, as we, like, as we saw, like, his unsuccessful escape, mm. and then she eventually connects to him telepathically so before we conclude the movie because we're getting pretty close yeah. there is a scene where i don't know how it happens but robin's girlfriend who lives at the institute with him decides to take him out for a day and they end up in amusement park yes and something doesn't go his way and he has a tantrum so he he like wins her a bear it looks like mm. and then he fi- goes to find her and sees that she's chatting with two of her colleagues and he immediately just assumes, like... Oh, are you gonna... He says, what, are you gonna fuck one of them? And it's like, whoa! Yeah, he just flies off the fucking handle. It's a, it's a very childlike reaction to what's happening. But he gets pissy, and he gets upset, and he starts walking away. And as he's walking, all the lights on the rides are exploding. And you're like, uh-oh. And the veins... I, I do appreciate uh, Brian De Palmer having the special effects of the two veins in his forehead. I actually... like. I think the special effects, the very minimal they do on the actual actors, mm. they're so well done, you can barely tell that they're there. The only ones you can tell are when the eyes go blue. But obviously well, that's yeah, a tougher that's, that's a tougher special that's like effect. An optic, not even an optical effect. A, uh, it's like a layered effect. It's like an in-post effect. Yeah. But we get to the point where we make it a point to see that these people that are dressed the same as the terrorists were in the beginning of the film are... You know, on this one ride that's just spinning and everybody's having fun and it's great. And he gets so angry and he's staring at this ride that the ride breaks. One of the cars goes through a window and I'm pretty sure a bunch of people got killed. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. But he just has he's gone from a dude that was like, oh, my God, my dad, my dad. Oh, my God. To a cold blooded killing machine. And it's like, at this point, now that we're describing the end of the movie, I'm like, is there any saving Robin? I don't think there was, which is why the end of the movie is what it is. But we're getting there. We'll get back to the film, though. So Gillian helps Peter figure out where Robin is, and they end up heading to infiltrate the mansion. Alone with no weapons. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Robin 
senses her presence there. And immediately thinks he's being replaced. Yeah, he, he knows that she's as powerful as him, if not more. And immediately just starts jumping to conclusions that they're going to kill him and that they're going to replace him with her because she's better. Yeah. And, and then ensues the most epic death. No, the second most epic death. Yeah, so he he essentially snaps, and what he does is he telekinetically lifts Susan, his Susan, lady's yep, name. Susan. He lifts her into the air, and essentially laundry mat spins all so, of her blood out of her. Yeah. So the way this is happening is. When you use telekinesis on somebody in this film, they start to have like nosebleeds and shit like yeah. that. They start to bleed from their orifices. So he does this orifice. to her and he starts spinning her around in the air. And like you said, just washing machines are the death. Literally, like the blood is just coming out of her like she's oscillating. And it's covering the entire room and him in blood. Yes. And then we see the scene that Gillian saw. When she was playing with the train, just Susan dead. Yeah, momentarily, like, yes. Uh, so, as this is happening, uh, Gillian has a reaction to this moment because she is still linked with Robin. And she's screaming. And she starts screaming, you're, you're hurting her, you're hurting her, which alerts all the guards. Yep. The guards end up chasing them down, capturing the both of them, and they're brought into Childress. Yep. And... There's this small moment where this is where Childress and um, Peter see each other again for the first time, and Peter attacks him. Oh my god, <laughs> he, I, he was going to choke that bitch out right there, and I was like, get him, grab him, bite his head off. And all he wants to know is where his son is. Where is Peter? I mean, <laughs> where is Where's Peter, Robin? Paul, and Mary? Where is Robin? And then... It's like, fine, I'll take you to him. Well, Gillian has like another moment where he... He, she realizes that he's killed Su- that Robin's killed Susan yep. so she runs outside and they find they, they find two of the guards dead dead yeah because he threw him out he the threw window, him out the window. Yeah. and so Childress just says alright you want your son go, go ahead, get him go find him so Peter goes up and confronts Robin who is now full blown schizoid yep he's uh, Robin furiously attacks him and Robin throws him out the window and they kind of they, they both go out they both go out the window and Robin is like falls unconscious like yeah. but Peter catches him and they're hanging off the roof and Rob, he start trying to pull Robin up and Robin starts to come too and Robin is at first like oh god he's trying to save himself so he's cl- climbing up his dad's arm but rather than Getting himself up, he chooses to he grab his father's claws face. His father's face up. So Peter has no choice. He Robin is absolutely gone. At he that sees point. that his son is not his He's son not anymore, yep. and he just lets him go. And Robin falls to the ground. And Peter is absolutely distraught at this moment. There is a small moment here where Robin, uh, where Gillian goes Gillian over to Robin. Goes up to Robin, and she she kind of cradles him, and she's like. She's trying to, like, get him to stay, wake up. Stay here, stay, yeah. And he opens his eyes for a brief moment. And they, as they lock eyes, both their eyes start to go blue. And I, my assumption is that this is not something somebody can see. It's just a visualization it's for us. It's between the two of them, yeah. So it's like this moment of connection. 
and then Robin dies. Because he took all of that power. power that he learned and gave it to her. Because she is still of the right mind and can control it. Yes. And Peter is so distraught at this moment that everything he's worked this hard to get to his son and his son is gone and he just throws himself off the roof. Hester's dead. His son's dead. He has nothing to live. Honestly, and he just... He dies. He kills himself. And then it hard cuts. Literally. It literally hard cuts to the next morning, and Gillian wakes up in the... this mansion. Yeah. And she's... she's there with Childress. And Childress... Is trying to start manipulating her. He, he's like you saw what he did. He threw his own son off the roof. Like, how is that a good person? Stay here. It's like I can help you. I can be more of a father to you than you've ever had. And it's this weird, awkward moment. It. Oh. And we get kind of faked out here because yeah, she she starts to break down and she curls into his arms and she even kisses him right on the uh, eye on the eye. But it's, we quickly learned that it's all a ruse. By kissing his eye, she activates her power, and literally, like, his eyes go bloodshot, and he can't see yes. anymore. She fully embraces her psychic abilities at this moment, and she avenges both of their deaths by unleashing the full force of her power on him and blowing him the fuck up. Exploding him from the inside out. Now, this is not a scanner's explosion, but goddamn, it was pretty good. And Brian De Palmer had how many angles? There was like 14 angles oh of this explosion. Oh my god! And it was like, I knew it was fake. I knew it was a dummy, but good lord, was it beautiful. It looks so good. Oh my god, and the head. Just the head out of focus, bouncing on the floor. Oh. That's noteworthy. This is not a head explosion. This is a this is a chest cavity body burst. But like every bit goes everywhere. Like, it is amazing. Imagine somebody swallowing a grenade and it's in your belly and it just goes boom. That's what this looks That's like. That's what it did. And I was like, damn, do not piss off Carry 2.0. Now you know why I love this fucking movie. Damn. <laughs> This starts off as like, oh, it's like a Hallmark special. Oh, we're going to save a kid. And then turns into uh, Scanner's Light. It's slow paced, but when it pays off, it pays off. It pays off off well. It it does. I want to know. I That death made me happy, but I still am like, what happened to Gillian? Can she go back to be a normal teenager? Is she okay? Can she control it to the point where she'd be like, don't worry, mom, you can hug me again? Because she wouldn't let her mom go near her because she was terrified to hurt her. I do think after this point, like, obviously we're just speculating, but Mm. I think after this point, she had more control. I think she was, I don't think she'll ever have a normal life. No, she's definitely, I think she's going to be on the run for the rest of her life, but they made mention that her mother is extremely rich and powerful. Yes. And they have very powerful friends. So that was chilled. Somebody somebody was talking to Childress and be like, this is not a good idea. We don't want her. Doesn't matter how powerful she is. Her mother has friends in high places. We will not get away with this. Yeah. So I think that's where Gillian kind of I think she'll be okay, but she ain't going to high school because that girl makes fun of her once and she's going to get blown up for me inside out part. oh my god <laughs> and then like in the beginning in that scene she was like oh i'll tell you something that no one else knows you're pregnant and the girl wanted to fucking slaughter her and i'm sitting there going oh really don't don't piss her off now well at that point luckily she wasn't 
fully she tapped wasn't fully, in. Uh, so <laughs> she probably you, could have wrecked her. Can you imagine the sickest thing you can you can think of if this movie was remade? I want to go to hell for saying this. That she blew up the baby from the inside. Oh, dude, that'd be boss. That would be sick. That'd be so sick. In several ways. <laughs> can you imagine a, a, a telekinetic death like that where a woman is like eight months pregnant? It's like, I know how to torture you. You're still oh, alive, but they explode God. the baby. You're giving me ideas. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we do not condone violence on this podcast, but if it is in film form, give it to us. Give me. <laughs> All right. Closing questions. Oh, God, yeah. Did you have any favorites? So, during the scene with the the family that he broke into the house with, um, there's a banter between the husband and wife before the older lady comes out and says, you have to come wipe me, which was funny. Uh, the lady goes, the whole world is dried up at the tit. Meaning the whole world is just shit. And I was like, I am using this phrase in my everyday life. The world's dried up on the tit. I'm sorry. The whole world's dried up on the tit. That whole scene, too, where they're, she's just like, I don't even like them anyways. I'm going to leave them tied up for a couple more hours. Just let them be there. I want to be that old lady in what, like, torturing people by, like, come wipe me. Come take care of me. And then when this situation presents itself... Fuck you. You want to treat me bad? You can stay tied up. I'm going to go enjoy myself. See ya. I, that old lady was the best, second best thing about this movie. The first best thing was that fucking explosion. Didn't see it coming. Didn't. And then when he starts doing the convulsing, I'm like, <gasps> is, is she going to scanner as him? Is she going to scanner as him? Oh, in some yes. ways better. <laughs> oh my God. No. That scene in Scanners, I've seen yeah. it so many times. I don't know the context of Scanners. It's sitting right fucking there. And I still think it's better. But this was really good. What about you? Well, it's tough for me because I love this whole fucking movie. It's the whole favorite. Your whole but, movie's uh, your favorite. Obviously, like, I love the fucking ending explosion. I love the sequence with uh, Susan. I love, Ooh, yeah. I love the escape scene from... Uh, Paragon. I love all of that. I did write down probably my favorite line. Okay. Which, uh, it happens during the scene where he is still with those two off-duty cops. Oh, God, yep. And before he leaves them, he says, ask Childress if it was worth it. What happened to his arm? So they say, what What happened to his arm? He says, I killed it with a machine gun. <laughs> Just the way he delivers that line, it just, it brought a smile to my face. <laughs> You're at that point, Joan Crawford going, don't fuck with me, fellas. Like, uh, it's, it's so, so good. So good. <laughs> Would you make this today? No. Not this particular movie. Movies that are this good... No, this one's pretty decent. I wish that maybe it would get like a Vinegar Syndrome or an Arrowvity re-release because this is like now knowing that the that they put it in the selects, 20th Century Fox put it in selects for ten bucks. That's a fucking insult to this it film. It really is such an insult. Re-release this one. It's so good. Eyes of Laura Mars got a Blu-ray release. It did. This needs to get a Blu-ray release. 100%. I, I think this had one at one point, but it's like so out of print now, it's expensive. Yeah, how much was it when you looked it up? It was like over $100. Like it's crazy. Someday we'll have burnable money to do that. 
But there is like a UK release that's a lot cheaper. It's more affordable. And I have a bust, uh, not a busted. I have a very unlocked Blu-ray player. <laughs> oh, I made sure to learn how to unlock that shit very early in my life. I uh, I personally don't think that this should be remade. No. I mean, like anything else, I think you could do it as like a like a series, like an extent of uh, even a limited, limited series. series. Like this was a slow burn. It's a slow burn, but I think there's enough enough meat in this story that kind they of like don't get touch Peter's on. Peter's background, get Childress's background, yeah, yeah. find out what else happened to Robin, Learn get more, more about, about the characters. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but there's enough meat on the bone to where you could do it. And if if they were gonna if they just turned around and said, "Hey, we're gonna remake the Fury," uh, that's how I would want to see it done. That way, it's just all right. Give us more, explore it more. Yeah. But as a film, like, no, I love this movie the way it is. Yeah, You're never don't gonna touch get anybody one. as good as Kirk Motherfucking Douglas. No, all of them. I can't do all of it. <laughs> Kirk Motherfucking Panty Dropping, Pussy Popping, Dead Eyed Douglas. Fuck. That man's rolling in his grave, going, "Give me more insults here, woman." They're not insults, they're praises. We are praising your name. <laughs> oh, Kirk Douglas. Saint Douglas. Saint Douglas. Saint Douglas. Patron saint of dead eyes. Uh, would you call this mainstream exploitation or other? Uh, I would say for when it came out, other, mainstream. Now it's just other. Like, it's on the precipice of being mainstream other from the 70s, but now this is just another. I actually somewhat lean into exploitation on this. Oh, go on. Like, not in the sense of, like, gratuitous nudity and extreme violence, but... It wasn't what people were asking for out of the movie. It's... It does do a lot with a very little. It does. And I wouldn't call it exploitation, honestly. It's slightly exploitation yeah but it leans it's much more other uh, i think i don't know it's got el- enough elements in there to where it's like oh i could imagine watching this in a grindhouse oh, theater this would, yeah, definitely this would be big in a grindhouse yeah all right do you have anything else you want to say about the fury no this definitely will make it into a sean you want to rewatch the fury this will definitely be a rewatch I'm so happy to hear you say that. Uh, but I'm getting <laughs> high as a kite. Might be even better that Oh time. my god, it might. But I don't know. Like, this one was really good. Like, I've never really seen a lot of Kirk Douglas movies. So going into this, I was like, Kirk Douglas, isn't he the old dude? Oh, by the way, he was 62 when he filmed this. Fucking 62. Christ. 62. Him, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, all those men had fucking work ethics. 62. Getting all the bitches... Getting laid. Fucking slaying what's her nuts, Hester. (laughs) (laughs) Popping that pussy. Popping that pussy. (laughs) It's weird when you say don't do it. (laughs) Because I say it because I'm a RuPaul Drag Race fan. Just hearing you say it, I'm like, this is this feels weird. I've already said this is like this is one of my favorite telekinetic films. This is such a good fucking movie. Mm. Like it's a Brian De Palma movie. You you really can't go wrong with so Brian far, De Palma. First ever movie I've ever seen from this man. I like what I'm watching. Now I gotta watch his other shit. He's very stylistic, and I like Giallo films. I mean, how much more stylistic can you get? 
Oh, you can get way more stylistic. Yeah, I, I've never watched like what is it like the Budapest Hotel or the Laurel Tenenbaums, whoever that director oh, is. Wes Anderson. I'm, I uh, Wes Anderson is a style director. You have to like his style, yeah, specifically his style. But I'm like the great Grand Budapest Hotel. When I saw the trailer for that, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Arty farty. Uh, artsy fartsy. Yeah, I highly recommend this. Like, 100%. God, watch this. Like, if you, it's so good. If you like scanners, if you like telekinesis, if, you, if like, you like things blowing up, if you like Stranger Things, this, yes. go back and start exploring some of the shit that, that inspired it. Yes, this is definitely an inspiration for Stranger Things. Absolutely. Definitely. I would love to ask the Duffer Brothers the Fury thoughts and hear them go, oh yeah. Like, it would be beautiful. But I think that brings this discussion on the Fury to an end. Ka-chank. Don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. <laughs> First, it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him. I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. This party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finals. You know what I'm saying? Think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, imagine saw her in there. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh. God, you're a hottie. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for Alright, so check it. Time to get busy. Who does he think he is? Brad Pitt? And you're like, Gwyneth! But with bigger boobs. Totally bigger boobs. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's gotta be Amanda. I mirror right there. Why don't you take a look, okay? You're white. How's it gonna be when you're so I'm not there? Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. Amanda? Can't hardly wait. Wishing has a winning play. Huntington, Huntington, hey, hey, hey! Hey, um, hey there, Schwan Diesel. <laughs> Schwin Diesel. Schwin Diesel. That's so much better. God, I can't hardly wait for next week to be over. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, did you enjoy high school? 
in any form. No. <laughs> it was shit-tastic. This movie came out when I was, I was a freshman, like either I was in um, middle school or freshman high school, if I remember. And I watched this and I was like, God, I want to be Jennifer Love Huge Tits. I wanted to be her. I wanted that popularity, the, the coolness. I love that. I have not watched this movie in decades. Decades. Why do you think I chose this? Revisit the past. Because I just had my baby sister visiting. She's 17 years old. Hi, Abigail, if you listen to this. Probably not. But She's too cool for this fucking yeah, show. This is mid. This show's mid for her. We, we learned Gen Z slang Abby, and we don't understand it. I hope you listen it. to this someday. Fuck you, all right? <laughs> Fuck you. But hearing her talk about like high school and all this stuff, and I'm like, my high school experience is so different from the Gen Z experience because we are like, we are elder millennials. Like we're the dying, like, I'm not dying, but you know what I, you old, know what I mean. Old, decrepit fucks. We're old, decrepit. We're watching VHS <laughs> tapes on the weekends. Buying CDs and reading books, you know, like my my form of fun is putting my phone on the charger and not looking at it. My fun is taking my Polaroid camera to parties and taking memories. And this movie just has so many memories for me when I was younger that I'm like, this definitely feels like a movie that would be played in a grindhouse now. Because <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, I don't know about a grindhouse. But, <laughs> but like, it's so stupid like i feel like the culture of the gen gen z is making fun of us millennials this movie she's all that 10 things i hate about you all of those bullshit films even like not another teen movie chris evans debut yeah like those movies are stupid to the gen z they don't understand but for us it's like oh i remember this they were made for a very specific generation at a very specific time yeah us you know, where um, Seth Green can get away with whatever fucking accent he did in this film. Oh, God. That's the thing about this one. This is a lot of fresh faces. All-star cast. Now it's an all-star cast, but it was all fresh faces. Yeah, a lot of people that, like, so, like, for example, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yep. This is not the Jennifer Love Hewitt that I grew up knowing. No, you grew up with Scream Queen Jennifer Love Hewitt. I grew up with, I know what you did last summer, Jennifer Love Hewitt. This was my Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, this is very different for... I, I've seen this movie before, obviously, but... Oh, yeah. Like... If you're a millennial and you haven't seen this movie, not, what the fuck? It's not, um... I don't know, like... And even Seth Green, like, I grew up with him in Buffy. Austin Powers, yeah. Buffy. Yeah. Like, things like this that. This is very different from uh, Oz and Buffy. Yeah. Um, The main guy ended up being a really big movie star for a while. And he's kind of made a resurgence, like, in the last, like maybe five or ten years so when i saw him i was like oh my god he was in i can't really wait and like there's a bunch of other stars in it they're like oh wait it's that person that person and it's fucking hilarious to look back and then look at this because american pie had just come out this came out yep. like and now being you know this movie's 20 something years old it's how we look at this movie, how our parents' generation looked at Grease, American Graffiti, like all of those crazy ass movies about teenage stuff. You know, and now they've got all of these crazy new teenage movies that are coming out. They have the series Euphoria. Have you ever heard anything about Euphoria? Not specifically, but I know it's like a big hit. It is fucked up. Gen, m- m- Gen Z's are fucked up. Their humor is so different from ours. 
I watched it's a, a Gen Z show. Oh yeah, those kids are in oh. like, and Zendaya's in it. Yeah, like, that I know. She's fucking. That girl's fucking everywhere. Mm. You can't turn around without hearing or seeing her. With for good reason. She's fucking incredible. Yeah. But like, that's why I chose this. I really want to re. I want to relive the past because you know we're both like, you're in your mid thirties. I am in my late thirties, and I found out that psychologists say that you're in middle age at thirty five. So I'm a middle aged fuck now. Nah, <laughs> I want to relive it. the uh, quote unquote shitty glory days. <laughs> Fuck psychologists, all right? Look, I have to go to a psychologist this year. Yeah, well. Because my head ain't right. (laughs) None of our heads are right. It's fine. But I think that's going to bring this episode to an end. But I think that's going to bring this episode to an end. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us over on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we've previously covered. Or you can maybe suggest us some movies. Oh, God. Let us know some of the stuff you'd like us to cover, because we may have this year planned out, but there are many years to follow. (laughs) We're doing this till we die, kids. (laughs) All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us first thing every Monday morning. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to help support this show, you can subscribe to us on Patreon or maybe directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening or unlock some fun, exclusive bonus content that we are slowly putting out for our supporters. Support us, please, please. We could always use your help. Honestly, anything is appreciated. We really... Just listening makes us happy. We really just like doing this show. Yes. We we enjoy this so much. (laughs) Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. And Kirk Douglas, if you're out there, keep on dropping those panties. What? What? He hates me. He's dead. the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market